Hey, good morning. We can do that again. Good morning. It is good to see you all and welcome here and welcome to those of you who are, who are following along uh, from, a, from a distance, so to speak. Can I say this is a special season, right? Some of you are just finding out if you're not a frequent shopper in stores that think Christmas began like in late April or something like that, or maybe August or October, you're just realizing now it's coming on. And it is. Next Sunday will be the first Sunday of Advent. That is the first Sunday in the new church calendar year, the divine calendar, so to speak. The year begins next Sunday. Yes? In fact, last year, the first Sunday of Advent, it was our first Sunday when we first met you all and said hello for the first time. And we walked into this gorgeously beautiful, beautifully uh, decorated church. And I know I saw a table out there that they're looking for some of you to sign up to help do that so that next Sunday it will be the same. Yes? yes. What? Yes. All right. Those of you who are in charge of that, you heard a whole lot of yeses, right? The sign-up sheet is, is right out there. Also, let me say this. If you see beside you or anywhere your eyes can find in an empty seat, there's someone you can invite. What could be a better time to begin afresh at church than in the first Sunday of a brand new kind of church or divine calendar year? Yes? There are enough people in Louisville and right around the church for us to fill this sanctuary twice, easily, every Sunday. Remember what I said the first Sunday I was here, like a year ago? I said, I'm going to do the best I can to fill the pulpit if you do the best you can to fill the church. And so let's just keep that going. I think we can invite people. And those of you who are there who are wondering what would be the best time for me to come back or to even start coming uh, and being a part of this wonderful fellowship, how about next Sunday morning? You're welcome. I want to talk here about this last Sunday uh, of the year about forgiveness. And forgiveness is one of the toughest things for us to actually learn. It's, it's probably the most theoretical word that we have. Just in all honesty, we, we all know the word. We all kind of want what it says. We all want, will affirm uh, what the content is and the importance of forgiveness. They, they, I have never met anyone who thought, well, all this forgiveness stuff is, is, is just not important. We realize that is reality. And yet, when it comes to the actuality of actually forgiving in a really true, genuine, life-changing way, or even accepting that that has happened, it's a different deal, is it not? So let me ask you this morning, do you find it difficult to forgive? I'm going to ask you in your living room or in your cars or wherever you might be on vacation someplace, do you find it difficult to forgive? If you do, you're not alone. 
History is full of both literary descriptions and real events that more than anything reveals to us the lack of forgiveness and how that makes life as turns life into a hard knot, fills it with difficulty and, and pain and, and struggle and, and joylessness and heaviness. You know, there's just something here to be said that we need to hear. When we talk about forgiveness, love is attached in a way that they can't be separated. And we know that intuitively, right? People we love deeply are a lot easier to forgive than people that, you know, we don't care too much about, yeah? Am I speaking the truth? It's just how it works, right? So the ability to give and the experience of being forgiven belongs to one of the most necessary things that we can learn as human beings. In fact, in terms of life itself, it may be one of the most significant grounding foundational cornerstones that we can even think about. Most people struggle with this one level or one way or the other. And it usually there are three different ways of, of, of talking about forgiveness. So I wanted those that just flat out struggle with forgiving others. Whether that is rooted in some kind of, of pride that, that makes life somewhat uh, hard or, or whether that it, Result from some kind of sense of righteousness that I have not done anything really wrong, which makes life somewhat calloused, or whether it comes from some sense of being hurt, really being pained, which makes life bitter. There are people who just find it very, very difficult to forgive. And then there are another group, those who struggle with accepting Forgiveness, And whether that, that grows in some kind of lack of self-esteem that, that makes uh, life uncertain and our heart not sure about what goes on. Or, or, or maybe it, it is rooted in a deep sense of kind of self, kind of uh, hate or self-dislike, uh, which makes life unreceptive. Or maybe it is rooted simply in a deep distrust that makes you skeptical and, and uncertain, doubting. There are people for whom re- acceptance of forgiveness is very difficult to have. And then there are a third group of people for whom nothing really matters. They're superficial. They've got a surface level, all kind of stuff. And they, they use that word forgiveness flippantly uh, you know, for example, we say, well, forgive my ignorance. But can you tell me this? We're not asking for forgiveness. It is because of a turn of a phrase, right? Or, or someone steps on your toe and they say, oh, I'm so sorry. And then you say, well, I forgive you. You don't mean that. You just mean to say that didn't bother me. Right? A different thing. So, so let's just hold on to that, right? And, and recognize what is going on with this here. Forgiveness is not 
easy. Genuine forgiveness is not easy. It has to do with the restoration of fellowship and relationship. So I'm going to ask you again this morning. I had to ask myself and, and kind of search my own heart in this, even as I was preparing for this. And, and you who are sitting and following from someplace else, think about this too. We're going to ask the Lord to move this morning, walk up and down these aisles in between the pews, into your living rooms, and into all our hearts. Are there things that you know deep down in your heart that you should have forgiven? Maybe even a long time ago. Are there things that you, even with the best of your will, you cannot find it in yourself to forgive that? Forgiveness is not easy. But it has to do with the essence of what it means to live a flourishing human life. And Jesus speaks directly to that, friends. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to Luke chapter 7, it's coming up here. But as I said before, there's something about having your Bible in your hand, taking a note and just read from that word. In the seventh chapter, we begin in verse 40, and the story that kind of leads up to this, Jesus is invited to, uh, into the house of one of the prominent uh, kind of Pharisees. His name is Simon, and, and he is sitting there, and, and he senses because a woman has come in, a, a, a questionable woman who is now uh, bathing his, his feet with her tears and, and in, in perfume and And he's sensing that Simon is thinking there's something not right about that. And then he says, beginning in verse 40. He said, Simon, I have something to say to you. Have you found it? Luke chapter 7, verse 40. He said, say it, teacher. A creditor has two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, the gracious, uh, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. You just correctly, Jesus told him. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil. But she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. And then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? Now, when I looked at this text, I thought, what should I call this message today? Should I say learning 
to be a forgiving person or just forgiveness as, as, as we settle on or, or really what it's doing here it is talking about forgiveness or forgiving and being forgiven forgiven and forgiving these are two Sides of the same coin that cannot be, be separated. The one who does not sense that she or he has been forgiven cannot and will not have any kind of forgiveness to share. The one who lacks the willingness to forgive often sense that they themselves don't really deeply have anything for which they need to be Forgiven. And that lack of willingness to actual, true, genuine forgiveness shows its face in so many ways. Even in kind of funny little anecdotes. Yes? So these two guys, these two guys are talking about their home lives. And one says, you know, I had a, I had a real kind of hard discussion. It wasn't pretty with my wife the other day. And I hated, and she's usually right, but I hate every time we get into this, she becomes completely historical. And the friend said, no, you, you mean hysterical. Two different things. He said, no, I do mean historical. Whenever we begin this, she'll remember every mistake I've ever done from the beginning of when we first met. She's completely historical how different is that from a story that is told about Clara Barton who was one of the founding uh, members of this global helping organization or relief organization that we call the Red Cross the story goes like this about Clara Barton. That at a time in the early stages of the planning of, of how we can do an organization like this, there were some that confronted her and let her know about deep, deep pain in her life. And they were frustrated, even flabbergasted, about the calm with which she received what they were saying. And finally, one of them in frustration said, well, don't you remember how painful that was? And calmly she responded, no. I don't, but I do remember, vividly remember, that I've forgotten all about it. Set free by her willingness to forgive and forget, she was able to become the driving force of one of the greatest relief organizations that this world has ever known. Go back and let's look at the text and notice how love and forgiveness are linked, even moored together. Jesus talks about in his parable two people who both will 
have their debt forgiven. One, a great debt, a smaller, another one, a smaller debt. And then the question is asked, who do you think will love most? And the answer comes back, of course, the one who was forgiven most. And Jesus says, exactly. That's how it works. Love and forgiveness are linked, even moored together. The one who does not love cannot forgive. Let me say this again. The one who does not love cannot forgive. And the one who does not begin to love by being forgiven will not really have accepted or understood the forgiveness. Let me say those two things again. The one who does not love cannot and will not truly forgive. And the one whose life is not genuinely changed into the very fabric and structure of their understanding have not truly accepted the forgiveness offered to them. This lesson, friends, is greater and more important than you'll ever know. We just flat can't exaggerate that lesson. Love and forgiveness go together. You can't separate it. And and I need to ask you if you understood it. Not if you get it with your brain. That's That's easy enough. But have you really captured it by the bones to the inner most being? If you don't love. You can't quite forgive. These things are not separable. It is so strong that even when it speaks about God, it's the same thing for God. So what? Love the world that he gave his only begotten son in order that what? We will be forgiven. These things are linked. The one who doesn't love cannot forgive. Even God's forgiveness is based upon his love. I know we know it, friends. I know we know it from our own lives. And let's just be honest. We all like that. People we don't care much about. Situations that repulses us or that that just upsets us. They're very difficult, if not impossible, to forgive. That's true also of people you don't care about. We may say superficial things, but... There's no real forgiveness. It's a deep difference between truly forgiving and just saying, well, you know, it didn't bother me too much. I hope we hear this, friends. Forgiveness has to do with the reestablishing of 
relationship between people. It goes straight hand in hand with what we talked about also last Sunday. If you were not able to to be here last Sunday, go back and listen. It's online about unity and fellowship. Forgiveness has happened truly when the distance between people have been minimized. It has happened when bad feelings and and the experience of of rejection and, and estrangement is turned into good feelings. And the experience of love and nearness. Are we getting this, friends? It's straight out of what Jesus says right here. So I have to ask. I have to ask myself, stop even when I was thinking through this. Have I experienced that kind of life-changing reality? In my own life. Or am I just talking? Some of you have read and know from her writings, Corey Ten Boom. The play, the most famous book I think she wrote was The Hiding Place. She's a Dutch woman who during the Second World War took in and, and hid and, and helped Jewish people escape the Nazis. And she was found out and they treated her uh, like they would the Jewish. So they threw her into a, a concentration camp with her sister Betsy, who didn't survive. Corey Ten Boom survived and lived to tell about. It. Here's what she wrote. On one page of her book. He said it happened. At a worship service in Munich. That I saw him. It was the former Gestapo officer. That used to stand guard. By the door to the showers. In the camp at Ravensburg. He was the first of the so-called guards that I had seen since then. And all of a sudden, everything came back. The room filled with men that ridiculed us, the huge heaps of clothes that was there, and Betsy's pain-scarred face. And he came forward in the church toward me as we had ended and the church was emptying. And as he came up, he said, thank you, Fraulein, for your message. To imagine that Jesus has washed away all my sins. And he stretched out his hand to shake mine. And I, who had often preached to the people in Blumendahl about the need to forgive, I stood there with my hand glued to my side. I could not move it. But even as anger and wrath and revenge welled up in my inner being, 
I thought to myself, Jesus died for him too. Who am I to ask for more? And I prayed, Lord Jesus, forgive me and help me forgive him. And I tried to smile and I fought to raise my hand. I just couldn't. I felt nothing. Not even the smallest spark of warmth and care. I just couldn't. And I breathed another prayer. And under my breath, I said, Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Grant to me your forgiveness. And when I took his hand, something incredible happened. From my shoulder, down through my arm, into my hand, sprang something. My heart began to pound, and it was as if a love would overwhelm me for this stranger that I used to so loathe. And it was at that point, it was at that point that I discovered that the healing of this world is not created by our goodness and our forgiveness, but by his. When Jesus tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with that, the command, along with that commandment, the love to make it happen. When I read that, I, I'm just still, I get overwhelmed. I've read, read it numerous times. But friends, this is a real event. And if that could happen to Corrie ten Boom, who is a real person like we are, it can happen for you and for me. I want you to notice one thing more in Jesus' parable. The connection between love and forgiveness here ties directly also to the question of repentance. Repentance stands there like a prerequisite, if you will. It's not a word we use too much anymore, is it? used to use it a lot more, but we don't use it too much. To repent means that we are sorry for something we have done in a very real sense that we regret it and we recognize our need, true need, for actual forgiveness. Not imagined, but actual forgiveness. That's why repentance always precedes Salvation. The person who does not repent of his or her sins, who does not recognize their mistakes and their transgressions before God, will not come to see their own need for forgiveness and therefore not come to experience God's salvation. 
it's pretty clear if you go to to Acts chapter 2 and after the outpouring of God's Spirit on the day of Pentecost and Peter preaching and everybody around kind of got moved by his sermon and saw the truth in it and they came to Peter. You look it up in, in Acts 2 and they said, what should we do? And he says, what? Repent and be baptized. That is repent and seek the presence of God and his salvation will flow. Are you noticing here the comments Jesus have or had here to Simon? Jesus says, look at this, this woman. She's done everything that you did not do. But because she realized her own need for forgiveness, she is able to love much. And she can both receive and give forgiveness. Simon's sense of righteousness, maybe even self-righteousness, had made him blind to his own need for forgiveness. Friends, I think Jesus talks directly to many of us. We all have relationships that are strained. We all know things that we should forgive. What this text is teaching us, how that all begins. Sensing a deep need for your own forgiveness and recognizing that God has done that allows you to become this forgiving person. Maybe I can ask you a point blank. Do you recognize your own need for forgiveness? Not everybody does. Maybe I should ask even more pointedly, how long has it been since you have asked someone directly for forgiveness? How long has it been? Maybe it should be today. That even here at church, you'll walk over and say to someone, please forgive me. Not just as superficial words, but as a heartfelt expression of the love to restore relationships in the deepest of ways. Maybe you need to invite someone to lunch or to coffee or just give them a phone call. How long has it been since you have asked someone genuinely for forgiveness? Can we go back to where we started? Learning to be a forgiving person or forgiven and forgiving. Experience of being forgiven gives the strength and the soil from which to reach out and share that forgiveness. The person who gives, who forgives, shall be forgiven. The person who recognizes God's forgiveness 
will have something to share. Do you remember Jesus' prayer? I'm going to end with that. Just say here. Jesus taught us to pray, right? Yes? If you've forgotten that prayer, it's not, not your daily prayer. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Our Father, who are in heaven, may your name be made holy. That will be the literal translation of that. That is, may it live in holiness in our midst. May your kingdom come right here. May it be restored in our midst. The presence of your kingdom visibly so. That's the prayer. And then it goes on. May your will be done. And, and before you get to it, just a sentence later, forgive us our debt. As also what? We have forgiven our debtors. Are you seeing the distinction here? May our debt be forgiven just like we are forgiving, not some debt, but the debtors, the people, those that have wronged us. Powerful, powerful sermon. Right there in that one line in the Lord's Prayer. I got to round this up, friends. But I want to do so by an invitation to prayer. Can you receive that promise from our Lord Himself, Jesus Christ, that life changing promise? That He will give you His forgiveness. In such measure that you have enough to share with others. Can you receive that? If you can, your life will change. Maybe in ways you have never even imagined. And friends, if you're listening out there, if you're not even sure about your relationship to Christ, that is a reality. That not. That you carry around that burden, these shackles, if you will, chains, they'll be thrown away and you'll be set free. This is not just great Christian teaching. This is true for human life in general. It just can't happen without the power of Jesus Christ. Yes? Can we stand? And I'm going to just invite you. There might be some right here that need to walk to someone else and I need to pray with you right now. Ask for your forgiveness. It might be you want to come here and ask for God's power to do that. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you may not know what that kind of power in your life is even all about. And we invite you. Many here would love to pray with you to receive Christ and to know of that kind of forgiveness. God so loved that he forgave you. Yes? Friends, all of us, we talked about that in length last Sunday, need a kind of fellowship to be part of, to know that we are loved, to find that place of forgiveness. I want to invite you also to become be part of this place. And those of you who are here know the importance of what we talked about also, that we may see every empty seat here. Not because we like just to be many here. 
because we like to stand in that choir of people that sing God's praise. Yes? Let's get together to do that. There may be some you need to call. Even as we speak now, the invitation is open. Either you find someone where you are, come down here to pray. May God do his work in the strongest way in this place. Father, thank you. Hear the cry from every heart right here. Even as we come forward. And even as we pray individually and with friends. And those that need to become our friends in a new way. In the homes, those who are listening from afar. May your spirit touch every heart. Come in, call them to be part. Restore relationships that they may have that have been broken. Only your work can do that, Lord. So we thank you for your forgiveness. Amen. As we sing, you all come forward.